turn to Numbers, Numbers chapter 15. We are looking at some Old Testament books uh, in our Sunday morning services. Uh, Sunday afternoon we've started study on the book of Ephesians and uh, uh, we're working our way through the first, uh, uh, first uh, 14 verses actually uh, uh, at this time. Uh, the longest sentence in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. But um, uh, this morning I want to turn our attention again to the Old Testament and some lessons that we can learn from even the book of Numbers. And uh, we want to look this morning at the ribbon of blue. You say, you misspelled ribbon. No, I use the ribbon spelling from uh, Numbers. Uh, here, that's the way uh, our Bibles, our King James Bible spells it. It's not a misspelling, but it's uh, uh, the way it's uh, given to us here in the Scripture. Now, the question I have for you this morning, and I already know the answer, but uh, uh, are you a forgetful person? Are you a forgetful person? I think... Uh, uh, many of us have problems with remembering things, don't we? Uh, how do you remember what to do? Well, the first thing you've got to remember is get up in the morning, right? <laughs> and uh, it used to be that uh, folks would tie a string on their finger, but people today probably use sticky notes uh, around the ho- uh, house or in their cars or in their office, wherever they might uh, see them. Others might make a list and carry it with them. And uh, we talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but, uh, you know, most of us nowadays, uh, we have smartphones, and uh, they're only as smart as you make them, because uh, if you don't put the list on there, it won't be on there, just, just, just thinking about it. Maybe there'll be a phone, if you just think about it one of these days, it'll happen, but uh, I don't know that I'm interested in that kind of a smartphone. But we use different ways to try to help us to remember things. Uh, but everyone forgets at one time or another, right? There has been a study done, uh, it was done at John Hopkins University, it gave a list of things that people forget most. Uh, they forget names, 87% of, uh, forget names. And by the way, if you uh, want to remember somebody's name, if you're introduced to someone new, is uh, make sure that before you leave them, you use their name in talking to them. That'll help you. Uh, but then, you know, if you have a chance, write it down before you forget it. Because uh, next time you'll see them, you say, oh, yeah, uh, 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 yeah, what's your name? I know. But you forgot it. Um, the location of things. Uh, we always forget, where did I put that? 60%. Phone numbers. Uh, those are sometimes, that's why it's good to have a, a phone directory on your phone and, and uh Nobody wants to carry a phone book around them. Besides, they're not much good anymore anyway. Uh, people have cell phones, and so they're not listed in the phone book. Uh, what someone said. That's an easy one, uh, to uh, forget what someone said. Sometimes we think we know what they said, but we, act, we forget what they actually said. And then faces, 42%. But in the last verses of chapter 15 of the book of Numbers... Uh, God is dealing with this issue of forgetfulness. 
He wants his people to wear something that will help them not forget who they are and remind them of their responsibilities. Now, uh, that's, a, that's something that happens uh, quite often today. It's kind of a, been a popular thing in recent years. Uh, it's called witness wear. Uh, you know, various kinds of clothing or jewelry that's supposed, uh, supposed to have some kind of significance concerning one's religious beliefs. Now, it may or may not be that they wear these things to remember something, uh, but if we could have what we called witness wear, that is a shirt or a garment with a Christian saying or a verse of scripture on it, uh, people wear, uh, a few years ago, the WWJD bracelets were very popular, uh, various kinds of jewelry that signify some message. Now, while it's certainly better to wear t-shirts that have a Christian message than a beer logo on them, uh, many times you still wonder if the people wearing it is really a Christian or if they're just doing it to be cool. Now, I'm not saying don't do it. Just make sure the message is appropriate. Make sure it's biblically sound. And make sure you have a life that goes with the message. Uh, Sometimes, though, we can say, well, I got my witness wear on. I've got my cross or my pin or my shirt that says uh, John 3.16 or something. Uh, And we use that to replace actually telling people about Jesus. And we still need to be telling people. But here in the book of Numbers, God has given the Israelites something to wear that will help them remember who they serve. We're just looking at two things this morning. Uh, One is the periphery of their garments. We find this in chapter 15, verse 37 and 38. Where it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, that they put on the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. That's where we get our title, the ribbon of blue. Now, most often, those who would uh, wear these uh, garments would be the priests and so forth. But he wants his people to wear the fringes on their garments with a ribbon of blue uh, for the generations to come. Uh, the ribbon of blue is called would be something we call uh, fringes or tassels. Uh, word comes from a Hebrew word that means to blossom. And these uh, tassels may have had a flower-like uh, appearance. The tassels were worn on the four corners of their outer garments, a mantle or on the tallet. Uh, is the name of the uh, the garment or Jewish prayer shawl? We could also say in Deuteronomy twenty two twelve it says, "Thou shalt make thee fringes upon the four quarters of thy vesture wherewith thou coverest thyself." And these tassels were connected or interwoven with blue, a ribbon of blue. Tassels uh, mantle is seen throughout the Bible. For example, Elijah's mantle. Uh, was made of camel's hair. He used it to uh, split the water at the river. It was given to Elisha. Uh, John the Baptist had one as well. Uh, But the tassel was uh, considered sacred. That's the hem uh, or the border is a reference to the tassel. Uh, The tassels had 39 windings. Uh, The number 39 is a numerical value of two Hebrew words which mean the Lord is one. Uh, the loops and knots in the tassels spell out the name of God. When the Jews prayed, they put all four corners of uh, 
their uh, prayer shawl, their tallet in their hands, which represented the 613 commandments. And when a person was buried, the prayer shawl was placed over the head of the person. And it was white with blue stripes. Uh, it was a holy garment. Uh, it was the basis of the Israeli flag, which is white with the blue star of David. The star was the Mogan David, uh, which means the shield of David. As uh, two triangles uh, put together, one triangle pointing upward to God, the other triangle pointing down to the land. And the two stripes of blue are the, from this passage here in Numbers uh, chapter uh, 15. Uh, the ribbons of blue. That's where they came from. Now look at verse 38. It says, uh, uh, Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make the, them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations that they put on upon the uh, fringe the borders of ribbon of blue and it shall be unto you for a fringe that they may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes after which ye used to go a whoring. So we have the periphery of their garments and then we have the purpose, the purpose of the tassels. And we see this in verses 39 through 41 to the end of the chapter. Now the purpose of the Ribbon of blue is revealed in this section, and the principles we find can be applied today. Am I saying you should be wearing a uh, prayer shawl this morning? No. Uh, we're, not, we're not saying that this is something that we're instructed to do as people of God today. But there are principles here that we're instructed to uh, take uh, into our lives. And I want you to notice those principles this morning uh, we may not wear these tassels as they did in their everyday clothes, but God wants to teach us some important lessons to apply to our lives today. God wanted to use the tassels to remind his people daily of several important truths that should not be forgotten, uh, should not have been forgotten then, and should not be forgotten now. And I want to remind you of them this morning. I want you to notice it says in verse 40 that ye may remember... That you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord God, your God which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So notice first of all the commands are to be remembered. The commands of God are to be remembered. Uh, we need reminding because we tend to forget what God says. God's commands are vital for us for several reasons. Let me give you five words uh, that will uh, give you these reasons. Uh, the first word is comprehension. His commands give comprehension. Psalm 19 and verse 8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You see, in Psalm 19, the psalmist gives several important truths about God's word and its effect upon us. He, go back to Psalm 19, verse 7. You notice there the talks about the law of the Lord. It says it's perfect. It means it's unblemished. It's complete. The testimony of the Lord is sure, faithful, reliable. It gives you wisdom. In verse 8, it says the statutes of the Lord are right. God's word is always right. The result is that it brings joy to one's heart. Obeying God's word, doing right, gives peace and joy. Then it goes on to say the command of the Lord is pure. 
That is clean, enlightening the eyes, giving understanding and insight. Now for people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they may think, well, the Word of God is just a myth. It's just a storybook, just an old storybook. And sometimes uh, someone has come along, they've updated a little bit, they've updated the language and so forth, and uh, it's just still a storybook. It's just something that some people wrote. They don't understand why we put an emphasis on the Word of God this morning. They don't understand why it's so important. Well, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And if you're here this morning, never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, never been born again, born of the Spirit, then you will not understand that which is spiritual. But God's commands give us comprehension. Gives us comprehension. They give us understanding as to the ways and the thinking of God. So his commands give comprehension. The second word is confidence. They, his commands give confidence. Psalm 119 verse 6 says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. Realizing there is a whole spectrum of divine commandments. David determined to have respect to the, all of them. Uh, That is, he determined to be obedient to all of them. Then and only then would he not be ashamed before God. His focus was utter obedience on all God's commandments. You know, you just can't pick and choose which commandments you want to be obedient to. It's an all or nothing situation. I believe as we are obedient to the commands of God, we can become more confident about living the Christian life. Thirdly, his commands are credible, or credibility is the word. Psalm 119.86, all thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully, help thou me. Now, in the midst of opposition, David was focusing on God's word. He proclaimed the faithfulness of God's commandments. Uh, God's commandments are not just frivolous little rules. Uh, It's not something we can choose to keep or not to keep, but they are credible. They are important. And it's interesting that God's, uh, David said that God's commandments, not his promises, were faithful, but he says his commandments are faithful. Now, God's promises are faithful as well. But David here is focusing on God's commandments. All thy commandments are faithful. He's focusing on everything that God commanded. He's saying they're solid, they're trustworthy. There's another word we want to use here, and that's course. We're talking about the course direction. His commands give course or direction for us. Proverbs 6.23, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instructions are the way of life. You see, the word of God is like a headlight, a guiding light, uh, through the darkness of the dangerous and sinful world we live in. The context of this verse in Proverbs is that from the law of God comes the reproofs of a parent. Reproofs of life are corrections which come from those who are in authority over us. 
We need to recognize that God can use the authority over us to give us direction. And young people need to be especially uh, aware of this and recognize that their parents, although they're not perfect, they don't want you to make wrong decisions. They want you to make right decisions. They want you to honor the Lord. God's commands give us the right course to follow, the right direction. So his commandments give a course. And then fifthly, the fifth word is confirm. His commandments confirm, or confirmation uh, is the word. His commands confirm our love when we obey him. John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now this is simple proof that we love God. When we're disobedience or disobedient to God, to his commands, when we uh, uh, ignore God's word and we say, I, I don't, I don't want to follow that. That's, that's too hard. I don't want to follow that one. Now that one looks like that's easy, but no, that one's, I don't want to see we're picking and choosing what we want to do. And that doesn't mean we love God. That means we're, we love ourselves more than God. His commandments are confirmation of our love to him when we obey them. So the commands of the Lord are to be remembered. They give comprehension. They give confidence. They give credibility. They give course. They give confirmation. Notice, second, secondly, compliance is necessary. Compliance to God's commands are necessary. Obedience is the key to growing in the Lord. Obedience is a barometer of spiritual maturity and growth. Acts chapter 5 verse 29 says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. John 15, 10, If, we keep, uh, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You know, I can't help but also think of Paul's benediction in the book of Romans when he said in chapter 16 and verse 26, he said, But now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made, no, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. What commandment of the everlasting God was he talking about? Well, no doubt it was the great commission that our Lord gave to us in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see, if men and women and boys and girls are to be one to the Lord, then compliance to God's commands are absolutely necessary. So compliance. Thirdly, be concerned about God's will. Here again, I'm going to give you five words. Uh, Five words that uh, help us to understand what it means to be concerned about God's will. Are you concerned about God's will this morning? Or are you just concerned about your will? First of all, desire. We need to desire to learn His will. If you turn with me to... uh, uh, Book of Psalms, Psalms 40, Psalm 40, 143. Psalm 143 and verses 10 through 12 here. In, the, in verse 10, the psalmist says, Teach me to do thy will. 
For thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble, and of thy mercy cut off mine enemies, and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Here we have some of the greatest prayer requests that could ever be made. There are five requests that are made here, and they begin with the request that we ought to be taught God's will. It's a prayer request that ought to be continually on our lips. We ought to pray that almost daily. Lord, not only teach me thy will, but teach me to do thy will. We all want to do the will of God, but uh, that's a prayer request that we, we should uh, We should be praying. Then David asked, lead me into the land of uprightness. Uh, God's will involves always doing the right thing. I wonder if that's your desire this morning. Just do the right thing. Listen, uh, this land of uprightness is not some fantasy land. It's not some make-believe story land. It's a real place, spiritually, in which you can live your life as a Christian. And would you... Always like to make the right decision. Wouldn't you want to do that? Wouldn't you like to make decisions that please God? Well, then pray about that. Pray for it. That's what David's doing here. He's praying that he'll make the right decisions. Then notice verse 11. David continues his prayer request, which I believe all relate to his desire to learn the will of God for his life and do the will of God. He says... Quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake. The word quicken there has a sense of revive, strengthen, encourage. Well, if there's one thing our, uh, uh, our nation needs is revival. If there's one thing our church needs, it's revival. If it's one thing our, your pastor needs, it's revival. We all need revival. We need to be quickened. We need to be strengthened. We need to be encouraged in the Lord. And the basis for this prayer request was for the testimony of God's namesake. David appealed to the reputation of God to answer his prayer. And then David requests, bring my soul out of trouble. No one likes trouble. No one likes a troubled life. David appeals here Uh, to God's justice, his righteousness sake, to deliver his soul from the trouble he faced. And then finally, David says, destroy all them that afflict my soul. Now, if you desire to do the will of God, then you won't need or want anything that, that will hinder you from doing it. And David requests that God destroy his enemies. He was God's servant. And on that basis, he could claim the power of God to destroy those who hindered God's work. His desire was to learn to do God's will, and he wanted nothing to get in the way of accomplishing that. Again, I wonder, is that your desire this morning? If you know the Lord, then you're his servant, and on that basis you can come to him, and you can ask him to teach you to do his will. And once we know his will in our lives, then there's another word. And that's the word delight. We can delight. We are to delight in his will. Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8 says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O God, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Now this is no question 
there's no question here that uh, that reflects the mind of God. That's what this is talking about. Jesus willingly and voluntarily came to do his Father's will. He did that through the incarnation and through the uh, to dying on the cross. Uh, it's been well foretold through the volumes or the scrolls of the Old Testament. That's what uh, the psalmist is saying. Insight, insight into the perfect character and mind of the Lord is further re- revealed. He delights to do God's will. And also God's word is writ within his heart. Now if there was ever an example of being conformed to the image of his son, it's right here. Uh, Jesus was not only willing to do God's will, he delighted in it. He also hid God's word in his heart. And thank God for those of you who are hiding the word of God in your heart. You're memorizing scripture. You're willing to do God's will. And that speaks of the effect and the hiding the word in the heart refers to the cause. In other words, as we saturate our minds with the word of God, it will cause our will to be conformed to uh, his will to the point that we will delight in it. The third word is doctrine. That's a scary word for many people today. But the doctrine, this mainly means the teachings of the word, will be known as we obey. John seven seventeen it says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. And the emphasis is upon the willingness to do or obey God's will. When people have a heart to do, uh, a heart willing to do God's will, spiritual blinders will be removed. It'll enable them to understand the truth. Psalm 11 and verse 10 says, A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. As a heart is willing to do God's will, it becomes tuned to the wavelength of God's spirit and his truth. And this is true for both unsaved as well as born again people. Now when an unsaved person is willing to seek God and do his will, God is going to see to it that the gospel is sent to him. And likewise, when believers are willing to totally obey God's will, God will open their eyes. And the key to, to, is the heart and the spirit willing to do God's will. And then a fourth word is depend. We are to daily depend upon God's will. James 4.15 For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that. I've just kind of made it a practice over the years uh, uh, knowing about what God tells us about, you know. Somebody said, will you be there on Tuesday? Well, the Lord willing, I'm going to be there. Somebody asked me if I'd uh, be someplace this coming Tuesday. I said, if the Lord will, and we don't have another blizzard. (laughs) You know, uh, you never know this time of the year uh, when we might get one. But, uh, uh, you know, I think that's the way we ought to face everything in our life. If the Lord wills, we we shall live and do this or that. So often we think we're doing God's will as only pertaining to the big decisions of life. You know, if I've got to buy a house, or if I've got to buy a car, or if I've got to uh, go to college or not, or whatever I've got to do, the big decisions, that involves God's will. But the little things every day of our lives, that's not really important. No, that's just as important. The scriptures say that we ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. 
I believe it's referring to every aspect of life, whether it be a big decision or a little decision. I believe we need to learn to live this way, and it will increase our faith and our dependence upon God. We'll be amazed at the opportunities that God gives us to serve Him and to bring glory to Him. There's another word here. That's the word done. His will is to be done with our whole heart. Ephesians 6, 6 says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Psalm 119, verse 10, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. So we need to have a desire to know God's will. We need to delight to do God's will. We need to doctrine, uh, know that doctrine will be known when we obey God's will. We depend daily upon God's will, and we do God's will wholeheartedly. And then we find the purpose of the tassels here is consecration to the Lord. Consecration to the Lord. Now, we go back here to Numbers. We think about the blue ribbon. The blue dye in the ribbon is called tikalith. It's a kind of really a purple blue. It came from the murex snail found in the Mediterranean Sea. And when this snail was crushed, it would kind of give off a yellow fluid that would turn to a reddish-purple-blue color. And thousands of these snails would be needed to dye a robe back then. They couldn't just go down to uh, uh, Walmart and get some blue dye. There was a process they had to go through. It was a very costly process. And for this reason, even purple was usually worn by the royalty or the very wealthy people. In the book of Acts, we read about Lydia, don't we? A seller of purple. In the 7th century, Muslims killed makers of the blue dye that lived in the Holy Land, and the Jews wore black on their shawls. In 1984, the shellfish was discovered, and the Jews began wearing blue again. The blue reminded the Hebrews... Why they were to be consecrated to the Lord. It reminded them of heaven. And as the blue points to heaven, it reminded Israel and should remind us of several truths. Let me give you four words this time. Just four words, not five, but four. First of all, pilgrims. We are pilgrims on this earth. We're just passing through. Uh, We're here temporarily because our home is in heaven. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Philippians three twenty. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3, 10-13 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and when the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. 
Wow, that's a passage filled with a lot of interesting teaching there. But we're not here permanently. Our home is in heaven if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior. The next word is pilgrim, or, uh, peculiar. We're pilgrims, but we're to be peculiar. That does not mean weird or strange. Although we might seem that way to the world. I mean, they would rather be sleeping in this morning. And some of them are because they got drunk last night. Partied all night. They're not going to be in church on, on Sunday morning, no matter what kind of time change there is. But we're God's people. We're to be a holy people of faith. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify him unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then Romans 12 and verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We are to be a peculiar people. Yes, we're pilgrims just passing through. We're peculiar. Be holy. And then blue reminds us of our position. Our position. We are children of God. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the tassel and the blue ribbon remind us that we are the temple or the tabernacle of God. The mantle or prayer shawl was worn over the head like a tent when they prayed. And we are God's temple. We are God's tabernacle. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? 2 Peter 1, 13 and 14. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, be and. Uh, hope to the end of for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. We are to make the Lord uh, comfortable in our lives. We're to keep our temples clean. And the blue reminds us of our position. And then power. The ribbon reminds us of the power of God. God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt. He was able to free them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And he's able to free you from the bondage of sin of this world. Not only does he give you great freedom and liberty from sin. He's able to keep you saved through all your days here on this earth. 1 Peter 1.5 Who are kept by the power of God. Of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, am I saying this morning that we need to go around and get us one of those prayer shawls? And we need to make sure that we're wearing it every day? And therefore be reminded of these principles in God's word? No, I'm not saying that. But I know there is much in God's word so often we forget 
And basically because we don't spend enough time in this book. We neglect the study of the word. We neglect the memorization of the word. We neglect the preaching of God's word. Why? Because it isn't convenient. And because we're too busy, we're too caught up in the affairs of this world. Now praise God, if you are earnestly and faithfully spending time in God's word, you're to be commended. But let me encourage you, if you're not faithful to God's word, to set aside some time every day to be in the precious word of God. Be faithful to the the services of our church and, and hear the preaching and teaching of God's word. Make it a priority in your life. I believe God will honor your life and will because He'll be honored. The glory will come to Him. And so I trust even the ribbon of blue can be a lesson for us this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven.